Welcome back to the Lucia Band Podcast. A w- great show today. We are joined by country artist Corey Mox and from HBO's Crashing Showtime, comedian Dustin Chafin. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, Sean. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Corey first. Dustin, chime in and okay, take it away, Sean. So, Corey, I was telling uh, uh, Jamie Roberts that uh, one of the beautiful things about uh, music is you can go onto YouTube and go down the YouTube wormhole. So you start looking at something like the Backstreet Boys, and then you start working your way up to Nickelback. And I go to Five Finger Death Punch, and I start playing them, and all of a sudden I see this uh, artist come up that I've never heard before. And I'm like, all right, let me let me check this out. It says it, it, says it has Ivan Moody on there, and I play it, and it's like 2.30 in the morning, and I listen to Outlaws and Outsiders, and I'm like, so good. This is the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. I was I was blown away. I was because first of all, not only am I a Five Finger Death Punch fan, I love Travis Tritt. I've grown up listening to him, and then I see Mick Mars on this, and I'm like, this is the most ridiculous hey. lineup that makes one of the most amazing songs I've heard. Oh, thank you. It's, you know what? You uh, you grew up in Canada, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm up I'm up here in North Bay. North Bay. It's three hours north of uh, Toronto. So I also have, noticed that. You haven't that, made the uh, move to uh, Nashville. No, and especially given all this stuff going on, a lot of I have friends that uh, you know that live in Nashville now too. But given everything going on, they're they're back they're back here in Canada. I guess uh, they had to they had to leave the country until uh, this is over. But um, also noticed that sweet Dean guitar behind you, a little tribute to Dimebag Daryl. Or yeah, I'm, I've had nothing but time on my hands. So now what I'm doing <laughs> is restringing all my guitars and uh, getting, getting the calluses back up on the fingers and, and things like that. So that's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, it's a it's a great thing, man. So is there a big country scene in Canada? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously not as big as as the U.S., but. Um, you know, there's still like we have the uh, CCMAs, the Canadian Country Music Association, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's around the co- all across the country. Um, it's uh, it's it's a pretty big big country scene. That's yeah, Canada's cool. Canada's pretty country, man. I've played a lot of Calgary shows, so uh, yeah, <laughs> Stampede yeah. and all. That I played stuff. the Stampede and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah good a lot time. more cowboy hats than you thought you would in Canada. <laughs> yeah, you do. So, how old were you when you started uh, when you started playing? Uh, well, I started, I was, I was a drummer, so I was actually, uh, I didn't, I didn't start playing guitar until I was like, you know, 18, 19, uh, and that's kind of where the singing songwriting kind of came together, but I was al- always too nervous to sing and always loved singing and stuff, but always did it kind of on my own time. And, uh, you know, I thought if I was going to be anything in music it would be like the next Tommy Lee or something. Um, so it's kind of funny how it all unfolded, you know, growing up here in Canada, obviously as a huge Rush fan as well. And um you know always loved uh you know good rock and roll but also grew up on waylon jennings and merle haggard um and then in my teens kind of got into the metal stuff like pantera and even dream theater and all that kind of stuff so nice uh as, as a drummer of course um you know and then that kind of grew from there so this this kind of this really started for me uh this aspect of, of uh you know being a being a singer songwriter i was about 21 years old i um I, start, I was at uh, RMC as a Royal Military College of Canada. I actually wanted to be a fighter pilot was, was, my, was my end goal. Uh, and I was playing hockey for the university team there. And I kind of started picking up guitar and, and just kind of, you know, throwing feelers out there. And I still didn't sing in front of people. And I put uh, videos on YouTube and stuff. And, uh, me and me and my teammates were out one night in Kingston uh, at a bar called The Brass. And we got a friend there, uh, Smitty. He's a, a kind of lo- local legend. And he goes and plays, right? And, goes up and plays covers and originals and four hours a night and we were out for drinks one night and feeling pretty good and uh they actually without telling me told him when you take a break you should call um you should get sunshine on stage to sing uh sing some songs and they call me sunshine because of uh the star quarterback i remember the titans with the long hair and everything because right, right. they're all military guys right so they all got to be clean cut clean shaven so anyway long story short i got up there and sang a few songs and, and people were like you know I think it was like two covers and two originals. And I was nervous as hell. The beer helped. But, um, you know, uh, if you were asking, like, you know, where I could can get my music and where else do I play? And I'd like, I've never done this before. This is actually my first time. And as weeks progress, I'd go there once a week and kind of do that. And, and then things just kind of didn't work out at RMC. And um, I came back home and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And my brother's girlfriend at the time was managing a, 
a bar here in North Bay. And so why don't you just come play every Wednesday for a couple hours, you know, for a few hundred bucks and start there. And that, that progressed into like playing, you know, another bar in town, another one, another one till it was like, you know, three, four shows a week. And I kind of fell in love with it. And, um, it just all rolled out from there. And here I am. <laughs> That's awesome, it's, man. It's crazy. Yeah. One of the things I loved about uh, being introduced to your music is I, I've said this before on this podcast. It's, it's, uh, it's weird how uh, countries progressed a lot over the past, you know, I would say eight or 10 years or so. And there's more of a pop country, which is, I, I still think that country right now is the most popular genre out there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the pop country is is great, you know, when you have bands like, you know, like like Thomas Rhett and Cole Swindell and stuff like that. I mean, they, they're great for the masses, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. when I heard that and I, you know, there's always been a real uh, connection between like Southern rock and country. And now totally. with you with more of a hard rock and country, it's it's going to open it up to a very, to a much bigger audience. Man, well, I, I hope so. And I think uh, the biggest thing for me uh, as, as an artist, um, you know, again, growing up on rock and country, um, you know, I was very blessed to, to grow up on those styles of music. And I think this record, Who I Am, is ulti ultimately a mix of all that. Like there's stuff like Outlaws and Outsiders on there. Um, you know, there's a, a new single um, that's coming out now called Drive. Uh, it's coming out June 5th. And, you know, that's that's definitely more something more you'd hear on country radio you know it's still it's still different and outside of the box a little heavy guitars and drums but still like one of those roll down your window sing-along type songs but you know we also have you know i got um, you know songs in the record that you know just like uh, blame it on the double where they have like metal breakdowns and it's a little heavier and so i really wanted to try to capture uh all those genres and there's a song on there called whiskey and wine where it's it's totally sort of there's a bee that almost stung me in the face um there's a uh, murder hornet uh, yeah murder hornets are here ah, they um, i uh yeah i just tried to really it's, it's more more like a merle haggard vin skill type feel so very very classic country and um so this i'm just you know i'm hoping once this all comes out that that they're all gonna love it as as they you know the country fans rock fans and even metal fans you know i'm seeing some of the comments on outlaws and outsiders loving it so that that i'm i you know i that's what we wanted. And uh, the biggest thing for me of this project was, like you said, um, you know, it's very pop. Country is very pop. It, they had that, of course, uh, back in the day, too, with all the strings and everything. Um, and then one of my, you know, my favorite artist, Merle Haggard, wasn't in that, you know, realm either. So him and Buck Owens created the Bakersfield Sound, and that became a thing, too. So with this, um, you know, hopefully, we're, you know, floodgates are open and there's going to be more artists making heavier country music. and changing things up a bit i think i think there needs to be a change in country music and um you know i don't want to be part of a change i want to be the change and you know and that's that's mix and rock and a little bit of metal and to uh, some good old country music Corey, on um outlaws outsiders that's a really interesting collaboration with mick mars travis trip uh, uh even ivan uh, moody um who else would you want to collaborate with i mean that, that's a good question um I think, um, you know, I've, 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 we've talked about, you know, guys like maybe Kid Rock, you know, obviously I think he's a perfect example of, of, um, you know, mixing rock and roll and country music. Right. Um, you know, I think we both kind of cut from the same cloth and in a sense of, of, you know, that, that, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always been a huge fan of Eric church, obviously. And he's, he's done something different as well. You know, he's, um, you know, he kind of steered away from the pop, but did his own thing, uh, keeping a country. And, and uh, I'm a huge fan of Eric Church. And, you know, even just outside the box, I'd actually, I'd be interested in, in doing something with someone like Post Malone. I know, I know a lot of people are, you know, he's kind of up there right now. Well, he's, he's up there. Hi, he right now, but yeah, he did one with that. And I, I, I love that song. I love that song. And, um, you know, uh, my producer, Kevin Churko, you know, produced uh, the last two uh, Ozzy Osbourne records, too. So it's kind of a small world where, you know, maybe that could happen. Ozzy Osbourne's another artist I would really love to feature with as well. Where did you record the record? Did you record it in Canada or did you record it in the States? No, I uh, I recorded that with uh, Kevin Churko. We, he's at the Hideout Studio in Las Vegas. Cool. I, I love the idea of metal and country. Um, I remember, uh, I think Chris Stapleton was opening for Guns N' Roses like uh, past, wow. the last couple of years. So, and that makes more sense. It, you know, it's funny how I didn't think hip hop and country would work, but boy, that 
that blew up. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't think that was going to work at all. So it makes more sense to me that country and rock would, you know, because I'm a big fan of the long-haired country scene, you know, since Merle yeah. and Hank and all those guys. Of course, yeah. And I mean, that's, like I said, that's just something, uh, I just don't think, you know, this sound that we have is, it's, it's I, I really feel it's unheard of. There's, there's nothing like it in country and there's nothing like right. it in rock. And, uh, you know, I've always, I think I've always wanted to be a little different, a little outside the box. And I think that's exactly what we are now. And just pray to God that the masses love it as much as we do and want to buy tickets to shows and buy the records when it come out. Yeah, I think uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia had a feel of rock and country to me when I was a kid. Totally, yeah. Yeah, just that, that song's fantastic. And even the singles that Charlie Daniels put out after Devil Went uh, Down to Georgia, like In America, uh, the South is going to uh, rise again or do it again. You know, they all had like a really kind of like a hard rock edge to it more yeah, than he, a country sound. Yeah, he made a fiddle yeah. sound like a flying V, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> another example of that, I mean, he's good friends with Charlie Daniels, too. And he's a big, uh, a great friend of, of Waylon Jennings. And that's that's my friend, Travis Tritt. I, you know, he's nice. even got a song called, you know, put some drive in your country. That's exactly what he did. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's right. kind of exactly what what we're doing we're just turning the amps up just a little bit more and uh nice. you know dropping our guitars down and and uh rocking rocking it you know Corey, are you missing hockey i am yeah yeah <laughs> I, d I definitely am man i can't believe you know i'm not drinking beer at night watching playoffs right now but i think we're, i hopefully they figure they figure that out and yeah, really uh, right able to watch it soon i think we're gonna get a season i think they're talking uh july doing a 2014 playoff who's your hockey yeah team? i mean um i you know my dad's from toronto and uh you know my family's been huge toronto fans and i've uh you know blue and white to the bone but um you know i'm also a fan of, of vegas of course uh because you know there's something there's something new and that's kind of that's where i've been working out of and i know uh kevin is a huge vegas fan and uh, it kind of sucks because he's got season tickets and he was going to have me out uh, be his guest on the glass this year, but it ultimately didn't happen. But my brother was also drafted to the NHL in, in 2007 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I was kind of whatever team he was playing for, whether it was the farm team or, or at their camps, uh, kind of rooted for them, obviously. And one of those teams were Boston Bruins. So what, I thought what, that was cool. what position did you play? I played, I played wing. I was a right winger. I played. I played up in Thornhill, Ontario. That's not too far from. Yeah, Toronto. That's not. No, that's not too yeah. far at all. Wow. I used to play up there. I started out as a also a wing, and I could skate backwards pretty good. So yeah. I wound up becoming a defenseman. I was more like a stay-at-home physical defenseman. Yeah. Type. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I played. I played. I, I mean, I played a little everywhere too. And when I was a kid, um, we had a big roller hockey, um, roller hockey, um, you know, organization here, and so I actually played goalie. And roller hockey, I, I wanted to be a goalie, and the, the the equipment as a goalie in roller hockey was much more affordable than ice hockey here. So I just I decided to be uh, be behind the pads and behind the mask in the summer, and then uh, and then in the winter I was I was back up to either playing defense, but mostly mostly right wing, and spending quite a bit of time in the penalty box myself. You still have all your teeth? I I do. <laughs> no, knock on wood, man. I actually I Me actually too. fake. <laughs> Fake from hockey. Yeah, I, I can't afford that. So I, uh, I actually decided just last year to put a, put a cage on. And it, I haven't been wearing – I haven't worn a cage since I was, you know, on a 16, you know. So playing junior hockey and everything, it's always half shield. And, and then uh, something was telling me that I think, I, I think, you know, with everything going on, it's, I'd, rather pay, I'd rather pay 40 bucks for the cage and get the odd chirp from people uh, <laughs> than, than pay $4,000 for new teeth. So – you know, Corey, that, not, because, not because you're on the show, but Outlaws and Outsiders really has got to be one of the best new singles I've heard in a really, really long time. And Sean hit on something when he said, you know, because the first thing, like, the music is great. Then Thank the vocals you. kick in, and you're like, holy shit, you're taking it to <laughs> a different level. And the first name that popped up into my head when I heard it was Cole Swindell with attitude <laughs> that's uh i've never heard that one before but i mean i'll take it i'll trade bank accounts with him any day <laughs> <laughs> but i th i thought that I, th I thought the song was really off the charts so thank so you man how did the collaboration get together with uh mick Mars and travis trick and uh five finger death punch 
Well, so um, the cool thing is, is that I'm, I'm the flagship artist on, on Better Noise. I'm the first and only country artist on, the, on this rock label. So we have Hell Yeah, we have Motley Crue, we have Five Finger Death Punch, um, In Flames, and, you know, a few other, uh, you know, Papa Roach. So uh, with this song, when, when we all decided, you know, maybe we should have some collaborations on it, um, it was kind of easier to go to guys like uh, Mick Mars and, and, and um, you know, Five Finger because we're, we're all on the same label. So I think it was to kind of keep it under the same roof. But we also, I also said, you know, if we're going to have features on this song, I want people who can relate to it. And I think, um, I think they're all relate, they all relate to this song one way or another. I mean, you look at Travis Tripp, he's, he is an outlaw of country music. You know, he was, you know, he, he did just that, put some drive in his country. And of course his best friend being Waylon doesn't get any more outlaw than that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, he was telling me stories when I opened up for him in, in, in November, how it was a struggle for him because that's just city kind of amped, amped things up a little bit for country music. And so it kind of, it made it hard for him to get on country radio or at least the chart where he thought he should chart. Um, you know, we all know Motley Crue's story, you know, it's just, they're just a bunch of wild cats having a kick-ass time, enjoying every minute of it. But even like now that that could be frowned upon in certain circumstances. And, uh, you know, so they, they were, they were out, you know, they were outsiders in their own way too. They're outside of the box. They made a new sound that, that wasn't out yet. You know, they, they were doing something different. Five finger death punch did the same thing. And, uh, you know, that's exactly how I felt, especially up here in Canada is having a little more, uh, drive, a little more rock into, into my sound implemented into the sound and music. Uh, it's been it's been a struggle. It's it's still a struggle. I mean, I'm actually quite blown away to finally have, you know, finally have um, finally finally have a single out with you know under an American record label as a Canadian country artist, but having these features. I mean, Travis Tritt included. Um, you know, I'm I'm no, nowhere near where I thought uh, would be uh, charting Canadian country music. They they think it's a little too heavy for radio, and uh, they're afraid of afraid of change. And that's what I want to do is is change that right so i I used to travel a lot to buffalo uh years ago and i noticed that uh everywhere that i've gone for some strange reason the buffalo music rock stations were unbelievable and they were off the charts and i realized they were getting a lot of their stuff from canada because they are being so close to ontario um do you see that maybe one of these songs crosses over to regular rock radio um yeah like i mean i think i mean i think outlaws is there of course um you know there's there there are there are a few there's a few well there's definitely a couple songs in the record that it's it's you know i am a country artist with i like to say a country artist of rock and roll attitude right and um there's songs i know for a fact that won't go on country radio radio so if they don't do that you might as well send it over to rock, you know, and uh, I definitely think there's relatable stuff again, like outlaws and outsiders and blaming on the double where, you know, it could either be country or rock, but at the end of the day, if, if it's a great song and they can all relate to it, who cares? You know? Yeah. I think it's really, um, you know, it's really about the fans. I mean, Sturgill Simpson had that problem too. You know, he, he wasn't recognized by still, country. still does. Yeah. Still he's does. fantastic. I saw him, uh, the outlaw music uh, festivals. Oh, he's so great. Yeah. He's, Plugs in for the two of you guys, for, for Dustin and uh, Corey. Um, I know, Dustin, you were really torn extensively before this whole thing. Uh, oh, I blame you for everything. You told me, you go, you're having a great year. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is my, this is my friend. Like, I want to call my friend. This is what he says to me. Thank you. Thank you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. What, what, what do both of you guys, what, what do you miss most about touring, the way you guys were touring? Um, well, my wasn't the extent of uh, Corey's, but, uh, you know, I just miss, I miss the energy of the audience. Um, I miss the free food. I miss being pampered. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for honestly speaking, uh, being pampered. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a nice setup in a green room, you know, anything you, like that. I yeah, love that. Any, anything you want. Fresh fruit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fruit was fresher. Yeah. Um, now that um, good, Corey. No, I think, I think uh, it's exactly that. I think just, just, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very, um, I like being out and mixing it up with people. So I think, um, you know, being a, in a different town on a different stage every night and, and meeting the fans and, and making new friends and, and people. And of course that, that connection you have with your band, um, you know, playing your music and, and seeing people connect to that and, and really feeling it. I think that's, that's something I'm missing now. And, um, 
being pampered yeah. <laughs> um, free Jack Daniels copious amount of Jack Daniels I just um, found out we were just talking about the crossover between rock and country and uh, I just found out that uh, Outlaws and Outsiders is actually top 10 on the active rock radio right now it is man and I'm I, I you know what when it came I wasn't sure uh, I was kind of scared to be honest uh you know because uh you know i have i have respect for the genre as well i i just you know was hoping that maybe like country here in canada maybe it was too country for rock like 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 it's too rock for country here um so i wasn't sure what to expect but i know i have an amazing team um you know um jackie and and, and everyone at, at better noise and everyone that's behind the song including the featured artist i uh you know i i had a good feeling about it and when we hit top 20 i was you know i was like okay you know what i I'm cool with this. And then, and it got to 15 and then once it hit 11, I was like, there's no way we're going top 10. Hmm. And, and it did. And we're there for, I think the second or third week. And I, and I hope it stays there for a while. And, uh, but you know, if, if it peaks at top 10, I'm still extremely thankful for, uh, for that opportunity. And, you know, to have that spot is, is pretty incredible as a, not only, not only being essentially a country artist, but as my first single. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. And I hope it's only up from here. Great. And then the, I just think the fusion of music is always so cool to me. I I don't trust people that just like one genre of music. You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah, because I like everything. I like hip hop. I like reggae. I like rock. You know, so totally. It's just it makes sense when it comes together. It just because it kind of it just I don't know. It taps into all those things that you love about music. You get a little bit of everything. I love that. Vinyl. Huh? You display that on Dustin's vinyl. Oh yeah, well I'm a big (laughs) fan of vinyl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. let's see. Um, hey, well, the record coming out August love 7th this one, huh? is going to be on vinyl as well. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I had that record. William Whalen. Yeah. I had that record. Good hearted woman. Love good time. The name of our show is called Who's Your Band? And, okay. we talk, we, and we talk about, you know, people, bands, and who influence them. So, Dustin, let's start with Dustin. Your band was who? Uh, well, first of all, this is, uh, it's difficult. Like, just like his, you know, Corey's, what we've been talking about, just it's hard to pick, you know, a, a one. one band. It's yeah. very hard for me. Um, I um, I had to kind of like think about who I've seen a lot in concert. And I had, you know, that has a lot to do with it. Who I would see now in COVID, like who I would risk my life for to see in concert. That has <laughs> a big part to do with it. <laughs> I'd put on a hazmat suit and just go to the front row. Um yeah, and who I'm playing all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, this is a band that I liked when nobody liked, and then I liked when everybody liked, and then I liked when people stopped listening to them, and it is The Cult. I yeah. love The Cult. And talk about a band that, uh, you know, combined a whole bunch of genres and things. And, you know, they started out as kind of like this kind of goth rock band, and then when they, and then when they hooked up with uh, Rick Rubin, it kind of had a harder sound and more of a crisp kind of ACDC feel to the guitars and stuff. And I just, I love the cult, man. I've loved them ever since, you know, 11th grade or whatever, but uh, they're so good live. And uh, I don't know, they're just a band that just kind of speaks to me, man. I don't know. They, and they helped me get laid when I was young, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. one, of the, one of the greatest compliments. Hell I ever yeah. Got. One of the I, best compliments I ever got when I was in the, when my band is I came off stage and we were like one of the house bands at this local rock club all the time. And I came off and the guy was like, you know, I got to just tell you, man, you, you guys remind me so much of the cult. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And he walked away. I go, we don't fucking sound anything like the cult at all. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was listening to, but that was not that. Well, I, I've seen the cult probably five times in concert. And one thing I like about the cult, the cult's kind of like, uh, you know how like David Tell is one of those comedians that like all the comedians in the back will be every time he goes up, we all watch him. Right. Because we want to, that's how the, every time I saw the cult, I'd look in the VIP and it'd be Gene Simmons. It'd be the guys from Anthrax. It would, it would always be, you know, all these great artists watching them. And to me, that's, that's props to a band when like, you know, yeah. guys that are good at their craft go to watch somebody else. So I don't know, man, they're just a rocking band and I just love them. They still sound great. I saw them last year. They're phenomenal. That's, like you say, that, that's a, also a real tip of that cap to uh, Ian Asbury. You know, the oh, singer great the voice, cult, but also so such a great stage presence. We sell those. I think about how much the cult has changed. Like the, my first introduction to them was off of um, Love. I love the song Rain. Yeah. Okay. Rain's a good and, song. Yeah. And that is almost like a gothic song. And then you go five years later and then uh, Firewoman. 
Yeah, that's you know? awesome. And it's, again, more of an ACDC almost type of a sound. Yeah, um, well, Rick Rubin, like, changed her sound. Like, he, uh, apparently, Ian Astenberry seeked out Rick Rubin because of the Beastie Boys. He just wanted a new producer to kind of come in and change the sound a little. And, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just a great band. And their later stuff is good, too. All, you know, a lot of people set on the Colts, newer stuff. But they're, you know, they have some great albums. They're just, I don't know, man. It's just kind of like, you know, kind of like he was saying, they're a fusion of a whole bunch of stuff that I like in a band. I mean, and when they came out with a few years ago, well, maybe more than a few years ago, they came, um, I think it was a Robbie Krieger and um, uh, the other guy from The Doors. But then they come out with a, a new version of The Doors, and Ian Asbury wound up being taking the vocal lead from Jim Morrison. Yeah, I mean that was that was a risky thing, but uh, you know, a lot of people didn't embrace that. You know, when you're basically you know, replacing one of the greatest frontmen of all time. So, uh, but his voice sounded good. People Hopefully just weren't ready great. for it. People weren't ready for it. But uh, I think it was balls out that he would even attempt that. So I thought it was, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. And, but he does have a Morrison feel to him. But, Here's a question uh, for Corey. Corey, if you can pick three artists, alive or dead, to go to a concert and watch, who are the three artists? Well, right off the top of my head, I, I, I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan of... Uh, and still am, always will be. I think he's the greatest uh, singer-songwriter of all time, would be Merle Haggard. Um, you know, I saw him, you know, a cool story about him. Um, he uh, he came to North Bay in 2013, and uh, I got to watch him at the hockey rink that I grew up playing hockey. You know, to, to, to see him, he would have been uh, 74 then, 75. And it was, it was, inc- it was crazy how it, you know, he sounded like he did when he was 40. It just didn't, it didn't change. And it was, it was just such an epic thing to see this man walk out off his bus in his black suit, glasses, everything in black, you know, and just, just look like such a, you know, just a man like walking up to, to the stage and performing. And ultimately after that, I thought, man, what are the odds if I got on his bus, you know, like just to meet him. I just want to meet him. So I'm going back after I'm there with my family. Um, you know, it was like 20 of us because we grew up playing his music and that's ultimately how I learned and grew up listening to, to Merle. And, and, um, you know, we go to my, my grandfather's house, my, my mom's dad, uh, every Thanksgiving pretty much. Uh, and that's all our aunts and uncles get the guitars out and everything. Right. And they play, you know, whale and Merle, George, all that good stuff. And the cool thing about that is that, um, him and I are born on the same day, 65 years apart. So it was a very special connection there. Um, and then of course Haggard. So, long story short, I'm going, I'm, you know, I, after the concerts, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick around and see if I can meet him. And, and the security there were the same security guards that played that, that were security at, you know, at my hockey game. So it wasn't like a, Hey man, you can't be back here. It was like, Hey Corey, man, how you doing? Like, you know, and catching up. And so long story short, man, I, I ended up talking to Merle's bus driver and I'm talking to him and I'm like, you know, my brother plays hockey in Oklahoma. I know that's where Merle's from and blah, blah, blah. And, he goes, oh, and he ended up knowing the, the, the Oklahoma City Barons who my brother's playing for. And he goes, you know what? Hold on a second. And I just start shaking. I'm like, well, what's going to happen? You know, maybe he's going to bring a pick out or something or a poster. And he opens the doors. He's all right, Mr. Haggard, love to meet you. And so it was wow. the, very, the very first tour bus I was ever on was Merle Haggard Super Wow. Tour. So it's like, it's uh, country very, royalty. Yeah. Very special to me, and I'll never forget it. So that's why I think I hold him, you know, he's way up there. Of course, um, and I cried like a baby uh, the day he died. Um, called my dad, you know, I was like, it's like a little kid because it was, felt like it was almost like a family member, you know. And um, and, and uh, same with the, the next the next artist, uh, well, band. Um, I think the greatest rock trio of all time is Rush. And, Love. you know, Neil Peart was a huge hero of mine, too, growing up. And uh, he's the reason why I became a drummer, I think. And. And just listen to the, and I mean, not only that, now as a songwriter, um, reading the lyrics and their stories is just, it, it was an incredible writer too, like uh, even aside from drumming. Um, and that, it's just, it's nostalgic. It, every time I hear certain songs of theirs, it brings you back to, you know, going to the hockey rink with dad at six in the morning and, you know, just stuff like that. And um, So Merle Haggard, Rush. Um, and now, I mean, I've, I've honestly, I think I've seen every band that I've, I've wanted to see. And um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of, of one, but you know, 
I think I think my I know this is totally out of out of element. They're, they're all past now. Actually, it's crazy. But uh, I think Michael Jackson. Hmm. Just I know it's totally out. But I mean, I I don't I don't care what everyone says about him and what the news. He can't can't deny his talent. Um, I think, and he was a master of his craft. He was very serious about. He like that's he lived and breathed what he did. And I watched that video, um, his documentary. Um, this is it. This is it. And not only that, the fucking band. The band was incredible. Like sure. so tight, so tight. And I'm a drummer, obviously. So I'm listening to the bass lines and just the punches and the timing, and it's all choreographed with the dance moves. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um. So I think, off the top of my head, I know the first two for sure. But this one's kind of random. But that's uh, I. I still listen to some of his live stuff. And I'm like, man, that would have been so epic to see. You know, just everything that involved in the pyro, the dances, the uh, I know it's like the most outlaw thing to say, right? I just would like to see Michael Jackson dance. But uh, <laughs> for once in my life, I just want to see Michael dance. Uh, but everything that was that happened, because the band, as you know, like it just, everybody was so fucking talented. So I think those would be my top three. Awesome. Well, Corey, thank, minutes thank, you later. For, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us today, man. We're told we got to wrap up with you, but uh, when thank is the you. album coming out? The album comes out this summer, August 7th, and I cannot wait. Uh, it's also coming out on vinyl, too. I'm, I'm finding out now. So just really excited about it, man. It's been a five-year uh, five year wait, and it's finally coming out. So, Well, when you, come down, when you come down to New York, we will take you out to some of the seediest, dirtiest, disgusting places you can ever imagine. Can't wait. Awesome, man. Can't Thank wait. you so much for, uh, for coming on to the show today. I appreciate you all, man. You, man. Uh, Best of luck. Be, be kind, be safe, and we'll see you soon, guys. Rock on. Thank, Thank you, you brother. Thank you. Oh, we we have Dustin. Dustin, how are you, man? That guy was amazing. How cool is he? Right, right. When somebody's like humble and smart and cool and like just you know, you gotta love that. Oh, like it's every, amazing, man. Like everyone it's in such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> they didn't use rock stars didn't used to be like that. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you, know, you you also didn't have access to rock stars or actors or athletes the way we do now. Yeah, it's definitely changed over the years, and. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that guy was great. So cool, man. And I, I'm really liking what they're doing, man. I, just... I have some stuff for you. Here's a question I've been wanting to ask you, Dustin. Sure. Um, Dustin Schaefer, great comic. What are, you, what are your thoughts on these Zoom shows, these Zoom comedy shows? Are they real? What do you, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, just kind of like what you guys are doing right now. There's, some, there's a beauty in it where we just had a show you just got a guy from canada who's a big rock star you got a, a comic in queens you got two guys at different places like the idea of 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 things how easy it is to put people together i think that's freaking amazing i do love that and i love the fact that like when i do a zoom show if i bomb I don't have to sit with it on the subway. I can just close my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can just go, go eat some nutter butters in the kitchen. Like it's just immediately over. Um, it's obviously not, Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but it. It's obviously not the same, but we're making the best of it. You know, where, you know, you find a way to connect as long as people are, you know, tuning in and trying to, you know, because people are craving the human experience. People want something that kind of feels like what they used to be able to see. So if we, you know, I treat it like that. I have a good time on Zoom shows. I, I really do because I know people need it. Like I don't get negative because they don't, a joke didn't hit. Because of course it's not going to hit like it hits in a club. But you really, I enjoy just trying to give people something that they miss. So I, I, I love them, actually. I think they're for now. I mean, who knows? I might not even go back to the regular ones. Who knows? Because <laughs> I'm terrified of, of, you know, Manhattan. Are you doing material or are you being in the moment when you're doing these Zoom shows? I'm doing it like, a, like, a, like I would a regular set. I am writing a little more, to be honest with you, because I feel like there's so much to write about with the COVID stuff. I'm not overdoing the COVID stuff, but I'm doing, you know, I feel like it's the elephant in the room. You got to do a little bit of it. So I, and I do crowd work. Like I'll, I mean, it's hard to do crowd work. Like if I was doing crowd work, Sean, I'd be like, Hey, what's up with that guitar? You can't play that. Like I would play with like whoever's, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever you could see in the background right. and the face, that's all you can do. You can't really, you know, so I'll do crowd work and then I'll do some COVID jokes and then I'll just see where it goes. What but, is, besides the COVID, what's inspiring you these days to write and what, what, what are you, what are you talking about? 
Well, the COVID thing is definitely, uh, it centers around everything. So I might not necessarily be writing about all the COVID particulars, but I'll be, you know, but it is about being in a New York apartment with a, you know, with your significant other and that kind of stuff. So it becomes about the relationship and, you know, it's, it's amplified when you can't leave your house and you're in a relationship with somebody. So that might be the source of just not, you know, they're just trying to get along in a, in a quarantine with, you know, so, so the girlfriend jokes will be different because it's, it's about that experience as opposed to before. It's a different type of uh, girlfriend joke, I guess. We yeah. Now the that- relationship jokes have changed a little. It's like she won't go yeah. anywhere. Literally. She's right there all the time. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you got nowhere to go, you know? <laughs> no. God forbid you get in an argument. What are you going to do? You know, it's ridiculous. I think back to like, like years ago, we lived in the studio. Oh, I mean, we got a pretty small apartments. So, well, yeah. now I'm in a three. I'm in a three bedroom now, so it's at least yeah. at least I'm like just just yeah. go somewhere. Yeah, we, yeah. we barely have a one bedroom, but it, I'm glad I have a door that I can actually shut. So for her sake, you know, more than mine. Well, that's the whole that's the whole thing about the argument is like you have to have that finale. And I've talked about this on stage years and years ago. The finale, yeah. like when you have the argument, and it's like, well, fuck you, no fuck you, and you slam the door, right? <laughs> like when you have a studio, you just go like this. Yeah, <laughs> you just move over like four feet. Turn the chair around. <laughs> exactly. Right. Dustin, you're from uh, are you from Texas originally? You said that like you don't know. Of course you know I'm from Texas. I'm saying it for the, I'm <laughs> I've saying known it. you like 12 years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in cars for hours together. <laughs> We've oh. talked about Texas over and over. <laughs> Cowboys. Well, Dustin, you have a beard, huh? <laughs> 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 I love you. Um, yeah, I'm from Texas, but I, I'm slowly becoming less Texas, I think, because I've been in New York over 20 years and I'm getting, you know, it's like it's, it's borderline. I'm fighting my New York self and my Texas self. Hmm. You, you never lost the Texas, Dustin. I mean, I did. My accent faded. It's like, you know, I'm, it's, I don't know. I'm a little, I feel I'm a little more New York than I am Texas, actually. Um, what part of Texas are you from? I'm from all over. I was born in Kilgore, Texas, but Dallas-Fort Worth is most of my adolescence. Okay. You know, just kind of. Let's go back to the cult for a second. Sure. Did you see the cult in Texas? I did. I uh, the first time I saw the cult, they opened for Billy Idol. Wow, what a show! Wow. That was and uh, Billy had a hard time following him because that was right off of uh, Cult Love. Uh, was uh, that album was huge, and uh, yeah, they were great in concert, and I, I saw. Them. I'm not sure if we spoke about this. At one point, because we, I, I love talking music with Dustin. But didn't you tell me once you saw the cult and didn't uh, Guns N' Roses open for them? No, the show that I saw, which is one of the most epic lineups of all time that I actually got to see, was in uh, Dallas in 1988 at the Cowboy Stadium. And the lineup, uh, Ziggy Marley, the Smithereens, Iggy Pop, Guns N' Roses, and NXS closed it. it out. NXS, that was it. It was the craziest show like it was ridiculous yeah and it was just i think it was like a one-time thing it was only in dallas like it wasn't even a tour it was just the weirdest craziest show and uh yeah i mean iggy pop opened for guns and roses like it was just it was crazy i went to one of those uh a few years ago and uh, on july 4th in dc it was uh the foo fighters were headlining and he had heart joan jett ll cool j (laughs) nice uh And some other some other rapper. It was just the most ridiculous lineup ever, but it was just an, just an amazing show. But just kind of like we were talking with Corey. I mean, that's most of us are exactly. like that. Sure. Most of us like tons of you know genres. So oh, absolutely. Like a, so much fun. And that's what makes it. That's what makes music great. You know, it's like when you see different comedians, different styles of comedians, different lines. You know, after a while, I mean, you know, you're gonna see all hair metal bands or or hard rock band. It, it, you know, you want something to break it up a little bit. Yeah, it's like in comedy when you have five white guys that sound exactly the same. Right. <laughs> they're, all, they're all Italian, and, and, and their mother's all walking around with mozzarella and yeah. the plastic on the couch. Oh my God! If I hear that, if I hear that joke one more time, I'm Jesus like, H Christ! <laughs> but uh, I, you know, talking about what you said before at the Guns N' Roses with Chris Stapleton, I mean, that's one thing that they're doing too, which is great, is they're breaking boundaries with having their opening acts. Yeah. On their on the not on this Lifetime tour, they had. Chris Stapleton. Now they were doing Smashing Pumpkins on this. Oh, wow. And that's a very different, that's two very different bands too. Yeah, absolutely. I like that though. I mean, when I saw them, they had uh, Lenny Kravitz. Oh, cool. 
for six Guns shows. And Roses? Oh, wow. That's, see, that's, yeah, that's a great, I love Lenny Kravitz. I've seen him live a few times. He's, he's great. Like his band is fantastic. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. He's had the same band too. Yeah. Band and for 25 he, years. Uh, the, the, the trombone guy, trombone shorty or I forget his name, but he's like yeah, a trombone famous, shorty. Actually yeah. that's, the, that was on the show. The, the, the Foo Fighters show was trombone shorty. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It was great. I saw really the beacon. Good. So good. So there's been so many, so many people talk about this and so many conflicting uh, information out there. But what have you heard? What do you think? Uh, when, when do you think that comedy starts to come back in the city? You know, when tourism comes back, as I feel when it's really going to happen. And then like my whole thing with comedy is like when Broadway opens, then I'll be comfortable with performing in the city. And when Carnegie Hall's having shows and when Broadway's having shows, then comedy. The problem with comedy is a lot of comedians and people that run comedy are a little shysty, so they'll try to get maybe jump ahead. So that's what I'm afraid of. We really need to kind of like follow the lines of the entertainment that's happening in New York. So I'd probably say maybe hopefully September, you know, I, I think the summer's a wash, but uh, I, I'm hoping in the fall things pick up. I saw this morning uh, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld on the news saying that they're predicting January for Broadway. Really? Yeah. Well, January. That's probably when (sighs) it will be normal again. Full production, yeah. But I'm sure there's going to be things happening. And and also, this is what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to have like a speakeasy thing that's going to that's going to occur. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like an already. underground art scene. There's probably going to be places where you're like, you know, I love that when you, you know, the, the little password, you just see the eyes. Yeah, yeah. You, know, like, and you have like a password and then you go in and it's like a tells on stage and like everybody's doing comedy and like, you know, so there's probably going to be more of that than you think. But, uh, you know, kind of a prohibition vibe, you know. Well, a bar in Long Island just did that too on on Saturday for Memorial Day. They were like, "We're, uh, you know, we're doing curbside pickup," and of course, like, you know, five hundred people showed up for curbside pickup, and they go, "Well, it's raining. We have to let them in. We don't want them to get wet." So, like, they just opened the bar, and like, they got shut yeah. down, obviously. But yeah, you know, I, I hope that that's not the case where people are just flooding everything and just and sparking up. Yeah, a- I mean, I think it's we got. You know, what bothers me is people are being defiant about this stuff, and it's like when, it, when, we, when you know, with the mask and stuff. It's like in the seventies, nobody wore a seatbelt in a car. <laughs> That's like, true. You know what I mean? Nobody thought that there's no reason for that. We, we used to like pile in the back of a pickup truck. There'd be 10 of us kids in the back of a, a truck, just going down the highway. Like, so we've evolved in how we have to do things for safety and it's annoying to click a belt or whatever, or put a face mask on, but you know, but come on, dude, like stop making it political. Just make it about not harming somebody else. Yeah. That's common sense. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not, it's not a red, it's not blue. It's just, it's just, yeah. Being a mask. Intelligent. You wear a condom, you wear a mask, or you wear a seatbelt. Like these are just things you do. That's a condom. <laughs> That's why you have three kids, right? <laughs> Speaking of annoying things, Dustin, what is like one of your biggest pet peeves? In life? Yes. Uh I don't know, being dismissed. People that think they're better than everybody, I think. Um, attitude before a talent. Probably attitude before talent, you know, people that just in comedy, there's a whole lot of that um, where there's this like, I don't know, like a, a cockiness um, to somebody and really they can't back it up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just rude, mean people. I'm hoping even in the end of this, like we all become better people, you know, so I'm hoping that like if you're a dick after this, we should all beat the shit out of you because right. it's it's been taken away. Like it's all been taken away. And if you're going to be a dick when we're like back to this again, I mean, that's when people are going to get the shit kicked out. I don't care. Not wearing a mask, but just, you know, being an asshole for no reason. Like when this is over, is going to be insane to me. If somebody's rude, like I can't, I can't. So probably that just mean people. I don't know. I guess I don't really have a lot of peeves. That's just one of them. Don't be a dick. That's really my mantra. Just be cool. Like there's no reason not to be. What have you been? So what have you been doing outside of comedy? What have you been doing to kind of occupy your time during the, you know, this quarantine? Stuff like this. <laughs> a lot of, You've been doing a lot uh, of this stuff. Yeah, a lot of this stuff, a lot of content. You know, that's that's been kind of the upside of this for a lot of us entertainers is like we're, you know, we're kind of doing the stuff we should have been doing two years ago. 
you know, as far as putting on online content and kind of getting out there and getting grassroots to our fans sure. and putting stuff. So, yeah, so I've been trying to stay busy. Um, I'm trying to write more. I got a horror script I'm kind of been working on and I'm, you know, and then doing you no know, different web shows and, you know, Leah and I, you know, Leah's a great comedian, Leah Bonima, my, my girl. And so we've, um, we've got, we're doing a podcast. It's really about quarantine coupling and, you know, everything from what we're cooking to what we're watching, to you know, what's going on in our heads. And, you know, that's helped a lot. It's on Patreon and we just kind of just been doing stuff like that. So just staying busy with, you know, online projects. And then I'm also, I'm also kind of loving the, the intimacy that I get to have with my girl, even though I make fun of the, you know, being together all the time, but it has been kind of nice because she's on the road a lot. I'm on the road a lot. So we actually, there is a silver lining. We get to spend a lot of time with each other. I've, I've even told her, I said, you know, when this is over, I mean, I could see myself like lying to her and being like, no, man, it's not safe to go out. You know, some guy in Florida ate a lizard. We got to stay in a whole, a whole nother month because <laughs> so, I'm enjoying being with her so much. So. So a lot of Netflix and tacos. I was just going to ask you, have you been uh, uh, binge watching or gone into any shows that you uh, you can recommend to people? Because uh, you know, you're, I also know you're a big uh, TV and movie guy. Yeah, you know, what do we, we watch all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm trying to say, we watch a lot of weird, like, Finnish crime shows and stuff. Like a lot, a lot of stuff we have to read, like <laughs> subtitles. And then there's like, you know, <laughs> drug, like sex trafficking and like murders and we a lot of weird stuff, but uh, nothing particular. I just got her hooked on Succession. I don't know if you saw that on HBO. I thought that was a phenomenal show. I stick um, to the classics. I went back yeah. I'm, I'm on season three of The Sopranos. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're on brand, so I yeah, I, I respect that. <laughs> I just watched a, a great documentary called Have a Good Trip on okay. Netflix, which is all about celebrities talking about their LSD and acid trips. Oh, wow. And I am on a hunt to find ayahuasca and DMT. Did you see the, the documentary about the guy? Was It might, might have been a 30 for 30 about the, uh, the pitcher for the Pirates who pitched a perfect game on LSD. Uh, Doc Ellis. Yeah. No, I never heard of that. Oh, yeah. gotta check that out. It's phenomenal. That's great. <laughs> that in the seventies, there's some funky stuff going on. There's also, I don't know if you you knew this, Dustin, but there was a guy named Mike Kekich, Fritz Peterson. They both pitched for the Yankees, and one day they just announced everybody was swapping families. They're what? They just literally swapped families. They, they swapped lives. They swapped wives. They took oh over. wow. They moved into each other's homes. Can you imagine that? In, in in the in the uh, 2000s oh yeah i mean well in a quarantine yeah we're all we all can all imagine that <laughs> <laughs> well that's like that show wife swap. you couldn't leave <laughs> that's like that show wife swap did you ever see that on television yeah and i and i realized that like the only person who could have possibly come up with the with the concept of this is a single gay guy because <laughs> no married man is ever going to subject himself to the craziness of his wife to another person like we know how to handle our situation, but like you can't throw that situation at somebody else. That just makes no sense to me. In the least. oh yeah, I yeah I have a joke that's similar to that where I just say you know I when guys look at my girl like checking her out and stuff, I'm like yeah she looks good, but there's no way you could handle her uh, mom issues. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy but, shit, dude. I could never imagine that in the least bit. <laughs> Very cool. All right, man. Uh, this is great. Yeah, I loved it. Great. Fun time. We really, uh, we really appreciate your time, and uh, it really was terrific, man. Tell people about um, where they can find you. I know, you know, the album is, is fantastic. You have the uh, copy of "Stop Telling People That" behind you, but you've got a million things going on. Uh, let people know where they can uh, listen to your shows, um, how they can get in touch with you, uh, help out with merch. Cool, man. Uh, yeah, you can go to my website, uh, DustinChafin.com. That's Dustin, and Chafin is one F. Please don't put two in there. It drives me crazy. Um, you can go to my podcast on Patreon, Leave You With This, uh, Patreon podcast with Leah Bonima, a lot of fun. I'm also doing um, a vinyl with DC. That's where I take I love that. vinyls and I talk about them. You know, it was really hard. I wanted to go Allman Brothers. Um, but, but then it was just like, cause that would be, that was a tough one because I love Almond Brothers, but, uh, I kind of went with the cult cause I feel like I listened to them more, but, but that was definitely, um, that was Couldn't a strong second. Band. Yeah. I saw them at uh, the beacon a lot. I used, they used to play there all the time. It was so much fun. Yeah. One of my, that's probably 
my biggest musical regret. You know, I mean, I've seen everybody. I've worked with a lot of, of guys. Never saw the Allman Brothers, and that really that disappoints me. Yeah, I, yeah, they were they were really good, but uh, but that's the thing, you know. So I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying looking, the, you know, doing like content about my vinyl collection. It's been good because I get to kind of like look at all my stuff that I have and kind of play the records and stuff. And so that's been very soothing for me. I I enjoy that more than TV. It's just like listening to vinyl, the crackle of the you know the record, mm -hmm. and just all that brings me Absolutely. back. I, I ordered a PlayStation One like on eBay. Like I'm I'm all about going backwards, like <laughs> dude. I, I I have such I have such a kinship to you right now because yesterday I put on my record player, right, and I'm playing Waylon Jennings nice. while I'm on my old school Nintendo system playing Excite Bike. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever, dude. I got PlayStation One on eBay for one game. Road Rash was this game that I used to play. It's like a biker game and it hit people with the chains and shit. And I just love the game and it has a great soundtrack. It has GNR Brownstone. It's got uh, it's got oh, a whole wow. bunch of what a great uh, metal music on it. But uh, yeah, it just makes you, some about it just going backwards and something vintage makes you feel good. And you ordered this during the quarantine? I did. I just ordered it yesterday. I just want, you ever do, you ever go to, do you do eBay bids? eBay bids are hilarious. Yeah. So, sometimes I'll go on and I'll just be like, let me just see. And then I'll think, oh, there's no way. And then, and then I, and then I become competitive to the sure. point where I get to a price that I didn't want to pay. And I didn't really want the item that much, but I'm not going to let somebody <laughs> beat me. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. so I end up paying like you know eighty bucks for something. I'm like, why did I? Now do you're that? putting it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> now after this, I'm going on eBay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't do don't do it at three o'clock in the morning when you have glaucoma and your contacts are still in your eyes and you have to sleep. <laughs> Trust me, I bought many a weird thing at that time. <laughs> no, you don't sleep, Sean. I never sleep. No, I don't sleep much either, so I get it. Three but we could have done the show at four a.m. and we all would be. I was wide awake at four a.m. Yes, me too. Yeah, I was checking that bid I won on that PlayStation 1. I got four games with it. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Great. Anyway, man. Cool, man. Again, we appreciate it so much. This was yeah. so fun. Thank I you, guys. It. I love that you're doing this, man. I love talking music, and I love guys that know music. And, you know, there's nothing better than that. And it's cool that you got that, you know, that cool artist and you know, Corey and everything. So, it's yeah, it's really good what you're doing, man. I like the show. Thanks we for having me on. Man. Thanks, man. Rock and roll, guys. Uh, all right. So, uh, hey, we got another one coming up uh, this week again. We're doing two this week. Killer so, killer lineup, too. We got uh, stand-up comic James Mattern, who is uh, a dynamo as well, as well. And we also have, uh, from the Rocky Four soundtrack, uh, singer Robert Tepper, who's going to be uh, talking about No Easy Way Out in his last album that he just put out in September as well. And I heard a rumor he may play live. I'm working on that. All right. Well, listen, folks, uh, please subscribe. Uh, keep following us. You know, every little bit really does help. Share with your friends uh, if you enjoy the show. I, we hope that you do. And we get, and between Sean and I, we do get a lot of, uh, of texts and emails from people who are enjoying the show. So help us out. Share it. Uh, let everybody know it's free. It, it takes, it's very easy to uh, subscribe to this show. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and Podomatic and, and uh, YouTube. And um, what else, Adam? Uh, are we missing anything? iTunes, iHeartRadio. iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, the Google Play. So there's, there's plenty of ways to find us. So please, please, please uh, help us out. Follow, subscribe, share. Guys, we will see you on Thursday. Thank you so much. We're out. Thank you, Adam. Take care, Sean. I'll talk later. to you later. Bye, guys.